What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. It is great to have you guys with us here today as we talk about the wonderful world of pro wrestling. Shout out to all of you who join us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. We wildly appreciate all of your continued support. Big shouts to all of you who are subscribed to our podcast, whether you check us out on Spotify, Google, Apple or wherever it is that you find us. Thank you so very much. If you're not already subscribed to our podcast, do that today. It would be an amazing moment to have you on the ride. And if you're listening and you're new, it's likely your first time. Welcome aboard. Or if you've been just kind of following us randomly, that's awesome as well. Go ahead and take the time to subscribe today. And when you do that, rate us and leave a comment at the podcast platform of your choosing. These types of things make a massive difference so that other wrestling fans just like you can check out all of the great things that we're doing here at The Faction. Okay, so for today's show, there's a couple of places I want to spend time, and they will all center around NXT. Now, I'm not going to give you a review of last night's show, though I think it was one of the more solid shows that NXT 2.0 has had in recent memory. I want to spend some time talking about a recent interview that took place with Triple H. Triple H spent some time talking to The Athletic during WrestleMania week, during the tryouts that WWE had. And of course, Triple H doesn't do a lot of interviews, so when he speaks, we listen. And in this interview, he talked about WWE's relatively new theory in terms of recruiting collegiate athletes versus independent wrestlers. He also talked about the direction of NXT 2.0. And he talked about this WWE versus AEW competition. I'm going to do my best to give you kind of the highlights of this interview. And we'll talk some more about really what all of this means and how we process that. But before we do that, as we talk about NXT, some news coming out of NXT is that the former NXT cruiserweight champion and six-time IWGP junior heavyweight champion Kushida has left the building. That's right, Kushida is no longer with WWE. Kind of the way this worked is he had a three-year deal and he allowed the deal to expire, and it's believed that he'll be heading back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I will say this, relative to Kushida's NXT career, man, when he was signed, I was super excited. I remember the announcement happening right at TakeOver New York, which was during WrestleMania weekend, massive signing, and adding Kushida to the already deep talent roster of NXT was something that I was excited about. I was a massive fan and still am a massive fan of Kushida and his work in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So it just seemed like it was going to make perfect sense that Kushida would exist and survive well in this NXT that was at that time the black and gold NXT. Well, a lot has happened over the last three years, primarily a pandemic in 2020, which altered the way NXT presented content. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the Triple H interview. But one thing that never really happened was that Kushida never really got his footing. He would go on to win the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. He would also get injured and then we wouldn't see him for a while. But then from there, recently, he ended up in a tag team with Ikimanjiro that they called Jacket Time, which to me, I just always felt was beneath 
Kushida. This is a worldwide global superstar that is being relegated to a tag team with one that you could argue is a bit of a comedy act. And so the last time we saw Kushida on NXT TV was like a week or so ago where he got attacked, powerbombed, and kind of thrown into oblivion. And now Kushida is gone. I will say this. One of the things that's interesting to me about this is when I think about Kushida's NXT run, it also reminds me of what's happening right now with Saray. It reminds me of what happened to basically the WWE run of Shinsuke Nakamura. I want to try to understand why it is that major Japanese stars, for the most part, come over to NXT and WWE and don't achieve the same level of success. You could even make that argument about Io Shirai. Yes, she's one of the most decorated NXT women superstars of all time with an incredible reign as NXT women's champion, a former NXT tag team champion as well. But yet it's as though she's floundering. And I almost forgot perhaps one of the biggest names of all, that being Asuka. Asuka, when she came over from Japan to NXT, had an incredible run. I mean, she literally went over 900 days undefeated, ended up having to relinquish the NXT Women's Championship because nobody could beat her. And the next stop for her, of course, was WWE. She gets into the WWE system and is starting off like a gangbuster, wins the first ever Women's Royal Rumble match, and now ends up in WrestleMania against Charlotte. And it seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that Charlotte Flair would not be able to do what no other woman had done in all of NXT, and that is beat Asuka. Not only did she beat Asuka, she made Asuka tap out. And Asuka honestly was never the same. That imposing presence that we had in NXT that made her wildly feared was not something that happened in WWE. And as we speak, we haven't seen Asuka in months in WWE. So, What's really happening in terms of why the Japanese wrestler is not able to find success in WWE shores, that's a bit of a mystery to me. Now, one could argue maybe it's a language barrier, perhaps, but all of those folks weren't brought in because of their ability to talk. They were brought in because of their star power and their ability to wrestle. And so I think it speaks volumes to, of course, how different the system was in NXT versus WWE. But I think it also speaks to how different the overall WWE system is compared to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it just made me think, as we're talking, another example was Kenta a.k.a. Hideo Itami. Hideo Itami came over, obviously, with great, great fanfare. With that said, he also never really achieved the level of stardom and success that one expected him to be able to accomplish. Now, injury was involved in that as well, but then there was also a significant period where he was not injured. Of course, he went back to New Japan Pro Wrestling and in so doing has found significant success winning the IWGP US Championship being a part of the Bullet Club he has certainly found his way back in his native land so now the question becomes 
is the WWE a potential real landing pad for those who are in New Japan Pro Wrestling? The folks who have come from New Japan who have found success are AJ Styles and Finn Balor, and we could argue even with the success of Finn Balor, because most of his success came in NXT. When he was in NXT, one of the longest reigning NXT champions, certainly his second run in NXT was even more amazing, I think, than his first. But then he gets back to WWE, and the same kind of floundering. As recently as this past Monday, losing the United States Championship to Austin Theory. Yes, it's hard to just call him Theory. With that said, I also think about the fact that Finn Balor, as the United States champion, was not on WrestleMania this year, which is also a weird situation. Two days of WrestleMania, no Finn Balor. So it makes me wonder if the WWE's system is really conducive to those who have wrestled in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The signing always sounds great. But the reality of it isn't necessarily the case. I also now think of the Good Brothers, right? Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, when they came over to WWE, highly touted original members of the Bullet Club, tag team champions multiple times over, and they never really achieved that level of success in WWE. Yet they leave WWE and they go over to Impact and they are able to accomplish some better things there and the like. So... Maybe this issue is that the New Japan system doesn't really mesh well with what WWE is doing because it seems like we've just named a number of examples in the last five to six years who were major stars in New Japan but couldn't find their footing. The only one that has really had any degree of real success is AJ Styles. And that was an AJ Styles who had achieved success before going over to New Japan Pro Wrestling. His days in Impact, his days in Ring of Honor, you know, leading into New Japan and now WWE. And I think a lot of that is because AJ Styles is AJ Styles. He can adapt to any environment as we've seen. So I want to get your thoughts. What do you think about Kushida leaving WWE to ultimately return to New Japan, which is what many believe will happen. Do you think it was a good move for Kushida to be in WWE? Do you think him going back to New Japan is the right move? And do you think that the WWE system simply does not mesh well with what New Japan had been doing? Let's talk about that. Hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show and let us know. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about this interview with Triple H, where we spent quite a bit of time talking about NXT. Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. I'm in Dallas Vegas here at Southern Honor Wrestling. What Jericho is here Through the windshield. And that's it. Ring the bell. He put him through the windshield. In 
hold your forks because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for it a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a been, so during WrestleMania week, WWE held a tryout for a number of college athletes. About 50 athletes were invited to the tryout, and Triple H was a part of that. Triple H is now back full-time with WWE after his very concerning health scare, and he spent some time talking to The Athletic about a lot of things related to WWE, particularly WWE's move to recruit college athletes versus independent wrestlers. He talked about NXT's migration to NXT 2.0, and more. So here are a couple of the highlights from this. First and foremost, Triple H believes that making a move to recruit college athletes is to some degree better than going after independent wrestlers. And his primary reason for that was that independent wrestlers have great in-ring work, but there are other habits that they have to either fix or try to teach or work through. Things like working on television, things like promos, etc. 
And there's this feeling that it's harder to do that with independent wrestlers than it is with collegiate athletes because collegiate athletes are believed to kind of have a clean slate. Think about it. In college, they're not doing promo work. In college, they're just playing the game and they don't have to worry about where TV is or where TV isn't. And so learning it for them is believed to be kind of a really fresh and cool skill that's easy to adapt versus unlearning bad habits. So I'll just say this. I've not been a college athlete. I can't say that. But I can say that when you learn to do things a certain way and you move into a job that does it a different way, you could argue that it might be easier for someone to learn a new skill than to unlearn an old skill. So I understand that. I kind of wish it had not been presented the way it was several months ago by Nick Khan saying we don't want to hire independent wrestlers and not really giving the reason behind that. One of the other reasons that the WWE is pursuing collegiate athletes based on this interview with Triple H has to do with the youth factor. WWE wants to be able to have their roster shift to a younger demographic. And I don't necessarily mean a younger viewing demographic. I mean a younger working demographic. So the thought there is looking at some of the current NXT alumni that's in WWE, you have Finn Balor, who is 40, you have Damian Priest, who is 39, and you have Tommaso Ciampa, who is 36. Now, AJ Styles, who is not an NXT alumni, is in his 40s, and there are other top names in their 40s. Bobby Lashley is 44 or 45. Um, and so these are ages that WWE, I don't want to say considers to be old, but WWE does think that folks at those age have fewer years remaining than those who are in their 20s. So as a result, they want to create wrestlers that are in their early 20s. So that makes things interesting for those interested in pursuing the wrestling business, whether or not, you know, could age be a factor for you? Maybe, maybe not. I'll just say this at whatever age I am, uh, I don't think they want me to be a wrestler at this point, which that's fine. I didn't have any aspirations to get into the ring. But it is important to know that if you do want to pursue the world of pro wrestling, I think you absolutely should go after it no matter your age. If you have all of the tools athletically, uh, from a personality perspective, if you've got the tools, go for it. Just know that the WWE may or may not be the spot for you. That's just a thought. But certainly WWE is looking at creating a younger superstar, which in turn is why Triple H believes that NXT 2.0 is the right way to go. So this is where things got interesting in this interview because one of the things that he talked about was that NXT 2.0 was always the plan for NXT and that got altered and seemingly exacerbated by the pandemic. So here's the deal. Obviously, NXT was cooking with hot grease from 2014 to 2019. One of the things that he says in this interview is that NXT had a cult following while on the WWE Network. That proved to be true, no doubt about it. There was this question of how do we get this product onto television? And so part of the reason behind 
it going to television was there needed to be stars to make that happen. There was obviously a huge push to sign a lot of independent wrestlers. And one of the things that he said in this interview was he wanted NXT during that era to be a place where these independent wrestlers could shine, that they might not fit on Raw or they might not fit on SmackDown, but this was a place that they could fit. Certainly the fans seemed to agree as NXT became really a household thing amongst hardcore wrestling fans and wrestling purists. But things changed. And one of the things that he said was relative to the pandemic, that the pandemic really kind of messed things up in terms of where NXT was going to go. Here's a direct quote. He says, quote, the pandemic messed it up a little bit because it was right when we went on TV and we had to shift our focus. Doing it in front of no people, it completely altered what we were doing. We couldn't recruit or train talent for almost two years, but the show stayed. Then we said, okay, let's reboot it and go back to what we originally were some of these people won't be ready for television but we're going to put them on television and we believe the audience is invested enough that the numbers might come down but a core group of them will stay and now you're creating fresh stars all the time that's where we are now the numbers have stabilized so where do the nxt ratings look like well last week's episode of nxt drew in 610,000 viewers which was down from the previous week at 631,000 viewers which was the post show for stand and deliver looking at the year 2022 for nxt the highest ratings came in at the january 4th episode which was new year's evil at 685,000 viewers they have not hit that number all year since the top of the year and so it's kind of safe to say that they are pretty much stabilized in terms of this being the viewership that they have but it also seems like the goal for nxt is a bit different so where there was a lot of focus certainly in previous years on the ratings and specifically let's just think about this let's remember when nxt made its way to usa it was supposed to be in October of 2019, the same week that SmackDown would debut on Fox. AEW came along, announced AEW Dynamite, which was supposed to premiere on that first Wednesday in October, the same time when NXT was supposed to debut. So NXT pushed their debut up two weeks. So this is September of 2019 when NXT comes on to USA. By March of 2020, the pandemic hits. And once the pandemic hits, that alters, obviously, the way NXT is able to present content. Now, one of the big differences between NXT and AEW is that NXT really was supposed to be a developmental system. And there were always people moving from NXT to Raw or SmackDown. Now, some wouldn't fit, but some did. And so with that... You look at what NXT's primary goal was, it was always different than what AEW's goal was. I think the competition head-to-head -head was probably a bad idea because it really was comparing apples and oranges. AEW only had one show of content per week. And so at that time, that was the only time you'd be able to check out AEW on television. This is obviously pre-Rampage versus NXT, 
where there was already a lower viewership for NXT in comparison to Raw and SmackDown. So I just think it was comparing apples and oranges, and it was probably a bad idea. But this idea of competition, of course, fuels people in WWE. And yeah, I don't know that it was the best move. With that said, NXT is moving in a different direction. They've moved in a different direction, and I think now that it's been about seven months or so, I will say this, NXT is finding its footing. Uh, I think it's safe to say that the black and gold days are over. This new day of 2.0 is here, and it has returned to what it was initially intended to be, being a developmental brand. And yet, in it being a developmental brand, it also has elements that we really enjoyed of NXT black and gold. Some of the storytelling that's happening right now is really different. This Joe Gacy character came off really different when he debuted. And now what we're looking at is a space where he's kind of this creepy character, which I hate to say it, but WWE has a thing about creepy characters and they do it well. Something about Joe Gacy is different than the Bray Wyatt's of the world, different than the Undertaker's of the world, different than the Papa Shango's of the world, different even than what Edge is doing. There's a different kind of dark here that's happening. And for whatever reason, dark works in WWE. And it's doing that right now. And I think it's creating a very interesting dynamic in NXT. So I'm not telling you to watch or not watch NXT. I've been watching it. And I think after a while, after you get you know, the remnants of black and gold out of your brain and you just look at this as a standalone product, it is a solid product. Now, where I do have concerns is this. If the intent of NXT 2.0 is to create a really simple, seamless pipeline into Raw and SmackDown, I need to understand why so many folks leaving NXT, going to WWE, Raw or SmackDown, have a name change. We've witnessed name changes for Walter, Pete Dunne, Raquel Gonzalez, Marcel Bartel, and others who have recently moved from NXT to SmackDown or Raw, and now their names are changed. Now, I suppose you could argue that Walter's name change happened late in NXT, but it's a name change nonetheless that probably wasn't necessary. So I don't know what that really means in terms of how well this pipeline is working. And again, because they are all fairly new to SmackDown, we'll have to see long term if those changes really work. But this is all super interesting to watch. I want to get your thoughts on what Triple H has had to say about NXT and the direction of WWE. Let us know that as well on the socials. Tonight on Dynamite, Tony Khan has another big announcement. And there are all sorts of rumors in terms of what it could be. Could it be a first-time-ever joint super show between AEW and New Japan? I'm personally leaning towards this being a television deal for Ring of Honor. After all, Ring of Honor has just aired its final show on the Sinclair Broadcasting Network. There is no space for Ring of Honor currently on television, so an AEW move or some announcement from Tony Khan would stand to make sense. But we'll find that out tonight on Dynamite. 
So let us know what you think that announcement is going to look like on Dynamite. And of course, we'll be covering that as well. All right, we're going to get out of here. Hope you guys have an absolutely amazing day. Hit us up and let us know some of the things that you want us to talk about going forward. And we'll make sure we dedicate some special time and content to that. Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. My name's Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. <laughs>